Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Well, welcome to church. I know it's been said already, but I get to do it as well. Welcome, everyone. It's lovely to be here. It's lovely to be bringing you the word this morning as part of our Holy Spirit series, which Brad led us into wonderfully last week, uh, talking about boldness and the boldness of the Spirit and the boldness of ourselves within the Spirit. And I get to lead us into the next part, which is going to be on fellowship. But before we get into that, I do just want to divulge slightly because I just went on a little holiday and it was pretty cool. So I don't know if anyone heard that there was an eclipse that went around recently, you know, something in the sky. Um, I didn't go all the way to Exmouth because Exmouth was chockers, lots of people. Um, But I went up to Calbarry with my mum and my dad and my cousin. And so in Calbarry, the moon covered 90% of the sun, which is pretty cool. The sky got a little bit dark, the ground got a little bit orange, and we had our sunglasses, well, sunglasses, like, solar eclipse glasses um, so we could see it all and we even like well dad was like trying to take photos through the glasses with his phone and it kind of it, it worked in the end I think for like one photo um, but yeah so you know that's just you know sharing time I had a pretty cool week um, did anyone else have anything interesting happen to them this week that they might want to share like I'm, I'm down for a bit of gossip I'm feeling gossipy Any, anyone no, no cool stories. No one did. Did you? <laughs> Anything else? Anyone? No. You got thrown off a jet ski. Where was? Well, I got to hear more about this. Just wait a sec. Wait, this is important. Here we come. I need to hear all about this. Uh, we, me and my dad did a jet ski tour, and um, he flicked... Oh, you, no, wait a sec, wait a sec, I forgot to say something else about my holiday. <laughs> sorry, 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 we'll get to you. No, um, we also went to uh, Port Gregory, and we saw a pink lake, and that was really cool. Not as cool as the eclipse, but I, I interrupted, didn't I? Okay, sorry, we'll try this again. Uh, me and my dad did... Don't worry about him. Oh, I'm sorry, I got, I got distracted at that time. Okay, we'll tr- one more time, I promise. I'm, I really want to hear this story. It sounds like a really awesome story. Okay, okay. Um, so, me and my dad went on a... Oh, he's taking so long, isn't he? Okay, you know what? This time, I think I've got it figured out this time. I'm going to surrender the microphone to you. Distracted, so please. I really want to know this story. Okay, so as I was saying, (laughs) (laughs) me and my dad went on a jet ski tour, and um, we went over this sort of kind of little wave thing, and uh, he turned it real hard, and I came off the back. (laughs) I'm fine. Okay, I feel really bad. Um, <laughs> feel like I'm losing some friends, but 
Thank you so much for that. Can we give another round of applause? <laughs> okay. I have to take a drink because I just did so much speaking just then. Um, so that was a little bit of theatre <laughs> on my part. Um, because when we try to engage with God, when we seek the Holy Spirit, and we claim that we set aside some time and we, we get on our knees in prayer in the morning, in the evening, whenever. Uh, sometimes it works really well, but sometimes uh, we do what I did. In the first instance, uh, I, I said I was going to listen and then straight away I interrupted with my words, with my agenda, with what I wanted to get out of it, with my stories, with my woes, and I wasn't listening to the Spirit. On the second instance, I tried to listen again. I tried really hard. And then someone else was there, so I was distracted with something else, and I was paying attention to that voice and that agenda, even though the Spirit was earnestly speaking, earnestly desiring to get something across to me. In the third instance, I just got bored. Like It took so long, I tried for a few minutes, and if the Spirit's not going to speak to me in a few minutes, well, I, I guess I've got the day to get on with. So I walked away. And in the last instance, I surrendered the microphone, and I said, I'm going to pay attention. I'm not going to have the agency to speak but I'm really going to listen and I'm really going to open myself because I actually want to know what the Spirit is saying. I don't know if you're waiting to the 10-minute mark for this to get deep, but this is it right here. <laughs> like, and we can have fun and we can have theatrics, but this week is on the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, which comes from the end of 2 Corinthians, as Paul signs off his letter, he says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so there is this blessing, this desire from Paul. And on the surface, we kind of know what all three of those are about. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's easy. That's, you know, salvation. That's grace. That's mercy. Jesus came and did that. Wonderful. And the love of God, yep, I know that in a nutshell. But the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we kind of know what it's about. But there's this third character who sometimes does some freaky things. And I'm not going to get into exactly a Trinitarian theology uh, today, as unless you, you know we can set some things back a few hours. But um, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, what's that about? This blessing that Paul is desiring. He's saying, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. What does that look like? And that's what we get to explore today. And if you know me, you know that when I am giving a sermon that focuses on a key term or a key word, one of the first things I love to do is to, to pull it apart and get some definitions going so we know what we're looking at. And so with this word, fellowship, we're going to go to the Greek word that was translated in this passage, which is the Greek koinonia, or koinonia. I'm not exactly certain of the pronunciation. But this word, it appears in the New Testament 
a, a small handful of times. And fellowship is one of the translations. But by looking at some of these other translations, we can kind of broaden our perspective of what fellowship means and get this, this better understanding of what we're looking at. And so sometimes it's translated as communion. Communion between people, communion between people and God. Sometimes as participation. And sometimes as sharing. And there's a few others besides, but these are the main ones. And so looking at all of these words in... Uh, assembly in conjunction, we can understand that fellowship, it's really about dialogue. It's really about two people or more people uh, communicating, sharing, participating. There's, there's actions and agency on both sides. It's not a one-way street. Sometimes when we engage with the Holy Spirit, we like to think that we kind of just... Um, I don't know, open our Holy Spirit jar, God pours it all in, and then we close the jar, and that's it for the time being. And we don't have to do anything. We don't have to, um, like, participate or share or outpour, uh, when in fact, that's not the case. And then sometimes, on the other hand, again, we just do all the talking, and we don't even allow the Holy Spirit to have its turn in our lives, no matter what we might pray, no matter what we might say, that with our actions, we forget to slow down, we forget to be open to a move of God. And so, the Holy Spirit does desire this koinonia fellowship with us. The Holy Spirit, along with the entire Trinity, yearns for this intimacy, this unity, uh, but there are some steps, there are some understandings that we can take to really step into this, to really enable that fullness of fellowship to, to begin that work in us. And the first, I'll say these three points now and then we'll go into them. But the first, if we want the full fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we must learn to communicate with and through the Spirit. And then... Also, if we want full fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we must learn not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And we'll go into the scripture that that comes from. And we must also learn to not quench the Holy Spirit. And we'll go into that scripture as well. But to start, uh, communication, which is basically the branch from which this entire tree uh, buds and, and, and flowers. In Brad's sermon last week, he said something along the lines of, uh, the Holy Spirit is God's presence functioning on earth in the life of the church today. And that's absolutely true. In John 14, 16 to 17, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is God's agent sent to us to be in us and with us that we might have that connection with the Father. And if uh, Jesus is the one in whom the Father God is revealed then it is the Holy Spirit 
by whom we receive the fullness of that revelation and we are empowered to know because it says in that scripture that the spirit given to us is a spirit not of deceit, not of manipulation, but a spirit of truth. And so the Holy Spirit uh, from salvation and even beforehand sometimes is ministering and whispering and showing us that person of Jesus in whom is God the Father. And again, all of the Trinity kind of participate in each of these aspects and it can get a little bit complicated. So we're just going to put that to the side a little bit. But um, as it says in Scripture, this is the, the, the mandate and the job and the, like, the, the dream job of the Spirit. Like This isn't just some chore. This is what he's here for. This is the purpose, the plan, that he would come in us and empower us so that we might know God, so that we might enjoy that fullness of fellowship with the Trinity and be united. In John 17, uh, it, Jesus has that unity prayer where he says, God, that they would be one as we are one and that they would all come in one in you. Um, and so, yes, the Holy Spirit is God's agent within us to strengthen, to teach, and to intercede. And so to communicate with the Spirit, this is the beginning of fellowship. This is the launch pad. As with most, if not all, relationships, there needs to be communication. Communication that is two-way communication that is honest and earnest and open, where we don't sit for two minutes, figure out that nothing appears to be happening, and then decide that we've got more important things to do with our day. And so to communicate with the Spirit is to engage in those spiritual disciplines, and they're called spiritual disciplines for a reason, uh, to engage with those spiritual disciplines which you know, they seem to crop up like once every sermon or two that, you know, reading the Bible's a good idea, praying's a good idea. Don't know where we get this rubbish from, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spout it out once more. So we're talking about prayer, we're talking about reading the Bible, we're talking about worship, and we're also talking about uh, those slightly harder disciplines of sitting in silence or fasting Sitting in silence is wonderfully annoying. There are kind of two types of silence when you sit with someone. You've got like that awkward silence because you don't know them very well and you're just like, should I say something now? Like, is it my turn? Is it your turn? How's the weather? Um, and then you've got those silences with people you really know where you can just sit and you're like, this is great. Like, I know this person. We don't need to speak right now. We're just here that we would find the time, and God enable us, that we would find the time to dwell with you. To dwell with you and not need to receive anything in that moment, but just to bask in the presence. And it's a, it's, it's a gift, but it is also a practice and a discipline that the more we engage with these things, the more we learn these skills of spirit communication, the more we actually do know the Spirit, and it becomes easier. It really does. The more you ride the bike, the easier it becomes to ride the bike. The more you do those maths equations, the easier it becomes to do maths equations. The more we spend time in the Word, in prayer, 
the easier it becomes to hear those still, small whispers of God. And we can read the Bible in many ways, uh, many great ways. Like, we can read the Bible as historians, and we can get many wonderful benefits from that. We can read the Bible as critics, and we can get a few benefits from that. And I'm not saying don't do those things, but we can also find the time to read the Bible prayerfully with an open heart saying, God, I know what you've put into the text, but I'm also open to what you might have to say to me right now for me today. Because we do believe that scripture is the living, breathing word of God. And in fact, we call it, in, in scripture, we call it the sword of the spirit. And again, that is no accident that the scriptures are the weapon and the tool of the spirit to come against the lies of the enemy, to come against the darkness and the oppression and the brokenness, that the promises of God, if we know them, if we listen to them, if we remember them because we've practiced this discipline, then in the storms, in the trials, we have this weapon, not of flesh, not of man, but of the spirit. And we can employ that against the enemy. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> um, and so I've said here, communicate with the Spirit, but also to communicate through the Spirit. What do I mean by this? Well, on the one hand, it does say in Scripture that the Spirit intercedes to the Father uh, for us through wordless groans. And we also have the gift of tongues where we can speak a language that we don't know, but the Spirit is just opening that channel to, to God. And so that's kind of what I mean. But I also mean that even as we desire to, to grow our faith and desire to get better at these uh, prayer things and Bible things, that sometimes they really just like, feel like the biggest chore in the world. That even as we desire that, not knowing the Spirit, the Spirit strengthens us to begin that journey to know Him. And it becomes a little bit paradoxical and a little bit circular. Um, does anyone have a friend or a family member that loves to uh, ask this question? Hey, can I ask you a question? And then all the Adrian Phippses in the room say, you just did, but have a second go. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Holy Spirit loves people like that. We, we might get a little bit uh, ticked off, but the Holy Spirit says, yes, when you have that prayer saying, God, I don't even know how to believe in you right now because I feel so far from you and I feel so broken. So Lord, I pray now that you would give me the faith to have faith. And then we say amen and we think, what a stupid prayer was that? The Holy Spirit is for you in that moment to say, yes, even as you seek me, I will give you the strength to seek me. Even as you seek my strength, I will give you that power. Even as you seek that belonging, I am already with you. And so when we communicate, when we engage in these harrowing disciplines, the Spirit is already for us, already ministering, and already helping us along that path. Because goodness knows, if I had to do all of this discipline stuff in my own strength, I wouldn't be opening the Bible a page a day or anything <laughs> Like, the Spirit stirs that hunger even before we really know to ask for it. 
and grace be to God that he knows what type of humans we are and that we need that sometimes. And so that is the launch pad for fellowship with the Holy Spirit and fellowship in fullness. So to move on to this next scripture, we look at grieving the Spirit and what that is and what the opposite is and and so on. So in Ephesians 4, I'm going to read from verse 29, but up on the board it should be uh, 30 on to 32. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So here Paul says, do not grieve the Spirit. And he follows that by what I would like to call kind of the anti-fruits of the Spirit. We have anger and slander and malice and brawling. These are... very self-defensive, self-righteous acts. And Paul says that these grieve the Spirit. These sadden God when they are manifest in our lives. And so if we are desiring full fellowship with God, with the Spirit, then this is the uh, stuff that we must flee from. And on the surface, that looks pretty easy. I mean, like, we look at the list, we look at anger, we look at malice, and we think, oh, I don't want any of that in my life. So that's great. Like, I'm already on the right trajectory. I'm already on the right path. Like, I'm nev- I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit by any means. And I believe you, it's true. <laughs> but sometimes in life... Uh, we end up with certain goals or aspirations. Sometimes they're really big ones, like a career promotion. Sometimes they're really small ones, like the bigger slice of chocolate cake. And achieving those goals oftentimes becomes easier when we employ a little bit of the anti-fruits. Yeah? Yeah. (laughs) And so sometimes that's a little bit of anger Uh, I hope we've got no queue. Does anyone cut in queue at the the supermarket? I hope we've got none of those people in here. Oh, got to get up on the altar. Um, (laughs) um, Sometimes it's a little bit of anger. The two big ones I find are impatience and gentleness. Impatience and gentleness. Sorry, impatience and the opposite of gentleness. Uh, (laughs) um, Because the world... uh, And the culture of society really is about go-getters and trailblazers. And if you're not moving forward, you're moving back. And if you don't have a certain pace and you don't match or exceed the pace that has been set, that bar, then everyone's going to leave you in the dust. You're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to amount to anything. And we are conditioned to really, like, if, if we're not moving, if we're not going. And so we sometimes have to push people to the side a little bit to get to where we think we are supposed to be. The quicker path, the wide gate, to, to use a little bit of scripture, whereas the narrow gate is those fruits. 
kindness, gentleness, patience, self-control, and so on. And I believe um, I am touching a little bit on the fruits and a little bit on the gifts today, but I do believe that later in this series we're going to have more extensive looks at what these fruits are, what these gifts are, and some of the uh, meanings that that we can draw out of that. Um, So what I want to say along the lines of fellowship is that as we get better at hearing the Spirit, as we enjoy that Spirit-empowered communication, the Spirit, as our conscience within us, will uh, give us increasing discernment over right and wrong. And we will be continuously, joyously stirred towards the fruits as the Spirit begins its transformative work within us. They are fruits of the Spirit, not fruits of man. And in Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the Spirit is going to stir us towards right doing. Hallelujah. But we always have veto power. In every situation, for every choice, we always have the power to to act in the fruit or to act in the anti-fruit. And we have to be aware of that. As we desire the fullness of this fellowship, we have to be aware of our own power and our own participation in the fellowship that at any and every moment, we can, sometimes on purpose, sometimes a little bit on accident, we can, we can let that anger slip in, or we can let that impatience slip in. And so we have to learn, and it really is a, a learning and a journey uh, for all of us, myself included, that we can learn to, to recognize this and in those moments to say, I'm going to take that slightly longer path because I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be a bit patient now as the Spirit has stirred me, and as the Spirit enables me. And in all of this, thanks again be to God that we don't strive on our own and in our own strength, but that patience is afforded and gifted us by the grace of God. Because again, if if patience was all up to me, I would be a lot less patient. And so that is to grieve the Spirit and, and how to avoid that as we seek fellowship. Uh, And I've put it like this. Sometimes when we choose the fruit of the Spirit, we sacrifice the harvest of the world. Sometimes when we choose the fruit of the Spirit, in those moments, with those objectives, we're going to have to sacrifice some of the harvest of the world. But who knows that the harvest of heaven is far greater than anything the world can offer us. So, quenching the Spirit. This we find from, this is point three, we find from 1 Thessalonians uh, 5, 19 to 22, which says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. So, when Paul talked about grief, he, meant he brought up the fruits or the anti-fruits of the Spirit. But when he talks about quenching, he brings up prophecy. He brings up a gift of the Spirit. And so, 
we often like to use wind imagery or fire imagery or water imagery for the Holy Spirit. And so we can, without too much effort, imagine uh, a flowing river or a rushing wind or a burning fire. And so when we use this word quench, well, what does that look like? That looks like a massive windbreak, a wind wall has just come up in front of that gale. Or there's a dam in front of that river. Or someone's just doused that fire with the fire extinguisher, with the foam. And what Paul says is saying here in this passage, amongst other things, is that we quench the spirit when we see the gifts of God, such as prophecy, and we distrust them, or we hold them in contempt, or we avoid them. Because God, and again, we'll get into the gifts of the Spirit in a different week, but God, in his delight, has made us, in his image, to participate, and that's part of fellowship, to participate in his restoration project of a broken earth. We are invited to participate not in our strength, but in his strength. And with that, he has empowered us, not just with transformative gifts, but without, uh, sorry, with transformative fruits, but with outpouring gifts, such as tongues, such as healings, such as prophecies and discernments. And sometimes this can be a bit of a scary realm, uh, a realm a little bit out of our control, which is good. Um, like we think of pagan deities uh, that bequeath sorceries and powers to their acolytes and disciples, and it really becomes a magical uh, system where it's kind of within the own person, and they can say yes and they can say no. Make no mistake, we have been given authority, but that authority is not our authority, it is the authority of the king of whom we are but stewards. And that is a delightful privilege, a, a wonderful vocation, but it is not in ourselves. We steward these gifts. And the thing I always like to say when stewardship gets brought up is that if you have been given something to steward, you can't just say thank you and sit on it. But to steward is to use appropriately. To steward the will of the king is to go into those places and say, here is what the king says in this dark situation. Here is what the truth of scripture says to this broken person. And not just to keep it inside. We're reminded of the parable of the talents, where that person, that, that servant is given the one talent, and he's scared, and so he buries it. Woe be to us if we desire and we yearn fullness with the Spirit. We say, God, I want all of you. And then we get it because he delights to give. And then we just keep it inside. Woe be to us if that is the case. And I'm not here to condemn anyone this morning, but to encourage that what we have been given and what we will be continuously given and empowered with are gifts that are meant to flow. Gifts that are meant to pour. In Acts 1 verse 8, 
it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, when the Spirit comes on the disciples, it reads as this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is the instant, the first moment of impartation of the Spirit since Jesus' ascension. And this is the manner in which it plays out. The Spirit comes upon, and the very next instant, the apostles speak. They don't sit, they don't meditate, but God pours in and God pours out. That what we have been given, hallelujah, is not just for ourselves, but it is a light meant to shine. It is a light meant to shine in, uh, I've got that here, in Matthew 5, 14 to 16. Uh, it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We have been given a light, church. We have been given such a light, and that light is not meant to stay inside. The light of Kalamunda Church of Christ is not meant to be hidden and obscured by these four walls. Kalamunda, can I get an amen on that one? Like, this is the delightful, it, it's terrifying, it really is. But it's such, such a privilege, such a joy. Like, I, from, from the youngest age, one of my greatest desires was to see God heal through my hands. And in little ways and in big ways, that kind of happened um, as a kid. And because who knows, you don't need to be an adult. You don't need to reach a certain benchmark for God to use you. But... Still, I had this desire, like, God, I know that, that you, hear, you, you hear me and you heal over long times and you hear me and, and you have your will and your way, but I so my desire, I really want to see your power manifest through my hands. Not for my sake, not for my glory, but to say I was, like, you can be a witness to God's glory at a distance, and that's wonderful. But I was like, I want to be a witness to God's glory and God's healing face to face that I would be right here when God moves. And in, when I was 19 years old, it happened a little bit, and I was like, I think this is it. I'm not certain still, uh, but thank you, God, because I believe I've just seen you move. And then when I was 20 years old, he just blew me away. And again, it doesn't have to take that long. It's not about knowing when. The times are not for us to know. But on one youth night, God decided to use me three times in healings and in prayers. And I just, I just couldn't believe it. Like, this was my desire. And I, I want to tell you today, church, that if your desire is that fellowship with the Holy Spirit, his promise is yes and amen. 
if your desire, if like if it's stirring in your heart, like I wanna, I wanna hear words from God, I wanna dream dreams, I wanna see visions, God doesn't place that in you to then say, no dice. God's promises are yes and amen as you seek, as you desire. And so I had that wonderful week, that, that youth night where I healed, uh, where God healed three people through me and through the prayers of the other leaders. The next week, I had a cardiac arrest, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> it, was a one, it was a funky time, let me tell you. But so I put the subtitle of my sermon, which I mean, fellowship is the title, but the subtitle really is, The Helper Wants to Help that the Holy Spirit is an advocate within us, but not completely for us. Like, he's for us, but he's not for us, if that makes sense. That, that he has been put in us to enable, to empower, to embolden. But who knows that if you ask for courage, you better believe you're going to be sent somewhere where that courage is needed. <laughs> like, we can say, God, I want all of you. I want everything you have to give. Well, that comes with a terrifying but wonderful mandate as we step into it, that we would bring God to a broken world. We would shine that light into other people's darkness. And uh, here's a way to look at it. God is infinite, and we are not, sadly. Um, and so if we ask for all of God, all of infinite God to be contained in ourselves, well, God's promise is yes, God's promise is amen, but we have to understand that in order to receive all of God, we're going to get some, and then we have to give some. And we're going to get some, and we have to give some, because we cannot contain the splendor and the majesty and the glory that God desires to give. He wants full unity, but that unity is a fellowship, not just with the Spirit, but with all the world. Again, in that John 17 passage, which I don't have here in my notes, but it says that they would all be one, as uh, this is Jesus speaking, as we are one. And so as the worship team, if they would like to come up, I just want to end with this story from the Desert Fathers, one of their sayings. And so this isn't straight from scripture, and it you might find something a little bit problematic with it, and that's okay. But in this story it says, Abbot Lot came to Abbot Joseph and said, Father, to the limit of my ability, I keep my little rule, my little fast, my prayer, meditation, and contemplative silence. And to the limit of my ability, I work to cleanse my heart of thoughts. What more should I do? The elder rose up in reply, and stretched out his hands to heaven, and his fingers became like ten lamps of fire. And he said, why not be utterly changed into fire? And see, Abbot Lot, he, he was doing all the right things in his ability. He kept his prayer according to his ability. He meditated according to his ability. And he said, like, I've got a level here. I've got an understanding but there's something missing. What more is to be done? And the other abbot stretches out his hands and his fingers become like fire and he says this line, why not be utterly changed into fire? And I want to say today, not that uh, 
we can transcend flesh and, and, and mortal coil um, and, you know, just like dance around as spirits of flame and light. But that we can have two perspectives when it comes to this fellowship. That we can participate and share and strive and outpour and, and do mission and do sermons and all of that. We can do that to the limit of our ability. Or as we desire, as we seek, as we openly and humbly ask for all of God. He can have his way and take us to a higher mode where who knows what can happen. Maybe the ground will start to shake. Maybe some strongholds will start to tremble. Maybe some demons will start to get a little bit worried, not because of the limit of our ability, but because we have a fellowship with someone who is far greater. Someone who is far more powerful than any doubt, any fear, every circumstance. And to say that as we seek and as he gives, so we pour. And we pour no longer our own efforts, but we pour the light of God into the world. And so as we go back into worship, with all of this on our minds and on our hearts, I would love to just open this altar. And if any particular point or, or message has, has stirred within you, then our team is here to pray with you. Maybe you feel like you've been grieving the Spirit and you've been, a, you've been stuck in paths of impatience or paths of worldly ambition that, that cause anger and, and uh, violence uh, or competition then we'd love to pray with you. Maybe you feel like you've been quenching the spirit in your life and, and you've been a bit scared of those kind of abnormal gifts that are promised, those gifts where we can't turn it off and on sometimes and um, we, like, we don't have the control to say whether this healing is going to work or not. It's, it's God and that's the beauty of it, but that can also be quite scary. Well, we'd love to pray with you. But also... And, and more than anything this morning, if you seek God and you are just, you're just hungry for the Holy Spirit, I invite you to come on your feet, on your knees, however you're comfortable. But that by coming to this altar, there would be a physical declaration to say, God, I'm going to move because I want you. I'm actually going to take this step to say how much I need you. And, and the prayer team is going to pray with you. But I want to, like, you don't have to come up here. And sometimes as a church, we get into this mindset that the altar, the altar at the front is, is for the broken. Which it is. But to say, like, oh, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty all right. I don't have to go up today. I'll leave that for when I'm in a real mess. Well, on one hand, we're always in a bit of a mess. <laughs> but on the other, this altar, especially this morning, but in all times, in all services, this altar isn't just for the broken. 
this altar is for the hungry. If you want God this morning, even now before I pray, but I'm going to pray now, just, just come on your knees, come on your feet and just say, God, I want you. I don't have to do any of the ministry. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit that as you come, he's already here. And so uh, would you stand with me if you're comfortable? And I'm going to pray and then we'll have that worship time. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you desire us. That you pursue us. Lord God, that from the creation of the world, your thoughts have been bent towards us in love. Not not chasing us down to punish or to condemn, but chasing us down because we are lost sheep who have gone astray that you would pick us up and carry us on our shoulders and bring us home to you, that you desire face-to-face intimacy with us, not blockaded by the strings and the ways of the world. So, Lord, we come now. With open hands and open hearts, we come, that you would move upon our praise and you would move within our hearts. Lord God, that you would have us because that is all we, at the end of the day, all we have to give. That you would have us and you would bring us into your fold and we would have that fellowship with you, Holy Spirit. Thank you and hallelujah.